I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. On Saturday, I'm talking about uh, the covenant of God. That's where God gave Israel a covenant. It doesn't always say covenant. It will just simply... Covenant means it is a relationship that kings had for their subjects. Kings had for subjects. They gave them laws. That sounds very familiar. This is a covenant. And you can get this out of the theological word book of the Old Testament when you look up covenant. Kings had subjects. And they gave them laws. This is the whole story of the Bible. And if they did not, if they were disobedient, disobedient to those laws, the king would scourge them, punish them, and in this scourge and punishment, that was to refine his people. And and the Lord said in, in Psalms 89, If you keep not my statutes and my commandments, I'll visit your transgression with the rod. I'll beat you. I will not forsake you, though. If you don't keep your part of the covenant, I will scourge you he scourges every son he received that word receive is the word decomai that's really amazing he has to receive us we can't receive him the word decomai comes from deck which is the word ten a decade is ten years ten years decalogue d-e-c Decalogue comes from two words, deck and logos. And logos is the word word. It means the ten words of God are the ten commandments. And a decade is ten years. So this word decoma comes from deck which is the word ten, it means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been given. That's what decomai means. And 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, the, ma- the natural man, the physical man, natural, P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S, that's the word natural. It's our word physical. It means the sensual man, the man that can smell, see, hear, Taste, touch. The physical man does not receive spiritual things. The natural man does not decomai. Same word. Same word over there in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. That he scourges every son. He accepts. He has to accept us. We don't accept him. Now, I'm going to get back to the... so. So if you're disobedient to God, he'll scourge you. And if you, if he owns you, which he preordained you from the foundation of the world, he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world to be his family. But what I'm talking about in these chapters, Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26, Exodus 15, all these say, if you're obedient to me, 
in my covenant. What really gets me is the word covenant and agape have basically the same meaning. Agape is one of the words that has been translated love or charity. That is what agape is. and But that's what a covenant is also. So covenant, covenant is God's desire toward us. Agape is God's desire toward us. Well, what I'm trying to say to you is Israel never obeyed God. They were a nation under kings. First of all, they were a nation under judges. And that went on for, just depends on the writer, for 350 to 400 years. We're not really sure. Somewhere in that neighborhood. And depends on if you believe Samuel was the first judge and, uh, excuse me, was the last judge. The first judge was Othniel. And depends on if you believe that Joshua was the first judge and Samuel was the last judge as to how many years the judges were. But they were judges before Israel was a nation. And Israel was a nation for about 510 years. And Israel was told, if you're not obedient to me in my covenant, that I will send these four judgments, the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. And that is over and over and over again. That's not any different than the church the church the church the church is the word ecclesia ecclesia means called kaleo out we're called out of this world to live righteously according to the covenant of God according to his agape and Israel was called out of Egypt to live righteously as they're going towards the promised land. So we're all called out to do something right. Now what what the world has done, I'm talking about marrying truth to a lie. That's what the that's what the world has done at the end of time. The Bible says evil men and seducers getting toward the end of time will wax or grow worse and worse. We're getting worse. If you don't believe that, we're in the apostasy. Paul said in Second Thessalonians 2 and 3, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord when He comes back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on all those that know not God and that obey not the gospel. Day of the Lord will not come will not come except to come a falling away first. Falling away is one word in the Greek. It is the word apostasis. And we call that apostasy. That's what it is. Apostasis. Apostasis. I believe the apostasy is here in the world full force now apo means a removal of stasis stasis means upright or to stand upright 
And from stasis, we get the word staros, which is the word cross. Crosses are for dying, and Paul said they were for dying daily. Jesus said they were for dying daily. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. People don't believe in that. You get a cross for telling people the truth. Telling them the truth about predestination. God does not love everybody. Christmas is pagan. It was against the law to celebrate Christmas. 300 years ago in America, people want to crucify you for that. And from staros, we get the word starao, which is the word crucify. And Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life that I live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I'm talking about what's happening at the end of time. All right, let me get back over here too. There's no truth going on in the world today. I believe the world has just literally turned away from God. False doctrine has to have an element of truth in order to deceive. You cannot deceive somebody by saying Cinderella died for our sins. And the seven dwarfs were her apostles. That doesn't fool anybody. What will fool people and what's fooling them today is the other Jesus. Other Jesus. People say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about what Paul talked about in Second Corinthians 11 and 4. He said, some people are coming to Corinth they're preachers. They claim to be preachers. And he said they are preaching another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel. And Paul said, I did not preach this Jesus or this spirit or this gospel. Well, the Jesus of the Bible says daily cross, death to self, self-denial, and you have to be hated by the world. G-O-S-P-E-L. And another spirit, the Holy Spirit is truth. Another spirit is no truth. Truth is the word aletheia, A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. It is a construction of lanthano, Lanthano means to lie hid. I put this on the board a thousand times. Lie hid or to conceal. When you have the alpha, the first first letter of the Greek alphabet, in front of a word as a negative particle, when you look up truth in your concordance, it will say aletheia, and it'll say from one as a negative particle. It'll say neg part. That means it negates the word when it's in front of a word. I didn't put the alpha in front of it. That's the way it's constructed in the Greek text. It means not to hide anything. So if it's another spirit, 
then they're hiding the truth by twisting the Word of God by my own truth to a lie. You see, people are not going to say Jesus is not real. They're just going to say, well, he doesn't really mean you have to take your cross and die daily. You don't really have to deny self, deny or nail up or nail my up a r n e o m a i means to utterly oppo contradict self. So, in, if you utterly contradict self, you're going to have the truth, not another truth, another spirit. Another gospel, that would take me all day long to go through. What is the gospel? Gospel is the word, every time you find it in the Greek text, it is the word euangelion. A-U-A-G-G-E-L-I-O-N. Euangelion is a construction of you, meaning well, and angelos, A-G-G-E-L-O-S, which is the word angel. Angel, but angel is not a good word to translate from the Greek because angel merely means messenger. Um, You could drop every time you see angel. You can drop every time you see it and replace it with the word messenger. Is Gabriel a messenger for God? Yes, he's a messenger to announce uh, to Daniel about the 70 weeks of Daniel. He was an angel that came to Mary and announced that she's going to have a son of the Holy Ghost. And Michael was a, Michael was a, an angel. And it can be Michael. He was a destroying angel that killed 185,000 Assyrians in one night. Now that's tough. That's as tough as it can get. And Michael was a death angel. Probably the same man that killed 70,000 Jews simply because David numbered Israel. And then you can have preachers. They're messengers also. You can have Jim Brown. He's a messenger. And you can have false angels. And that's what it goes on to say in the 11th chapter of Second Corinthians 11. And four speaks of another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. And later in that chapter, it says, These men that come, they are transforming themselves, transformed, forming themselves into the apostles of Christ, transformed metaschematizo, means to disguise oneself. A guy comes wearing a three-piece suit, and he's got a watch problem. He looks real nice and real respectable, and he pastors some big Baptist church, and he double talks. I was listening on radio the other day, and this guy is a famous radio preacher. His name's Jack Graham. And I listened to Jack for about six or eight minutes. I said it out loud, you are boring me to death. I don't want to listen to Jack Graham. I believe he's just a false teacher. And most people consider him a conservative Bible believer. I don't. Not what he was saying. Just double talk. Well, you know, the Lord loves you and God wants you to love him. And you know, if you just be faithful to God and you'll 
and you'll uh, go to church and tithe and do this and God will give you an abundance of life and it's just double talk, 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 talk and no definition of any kind. Don't like Jack Graham. Just like, uh huh? The what? Is he kin to Billy? I don't know. I don't know. I'd rather listen to Billy Graham the wrestler than to listen to Billy Graham the preacher. There was a wrestler named Billy Graham. I don't know if you remember that, but it was. All right. Then he says in the same text there in Second Corinthians 11, he says that Satan comes transforming himself into an angel of light, metaschematizo. Satan is, does not come wearing a red spandex suit, horns, and a tail. He doesn't come that way. He comes looking like Jesus, and he's got that old picture of Jesus doing like this, saying, I love all the world, and I'm very popular. And all the world that claims to be a Christian, they love me. I'm the other Jesus. I'm Satan. And that other Jesus says, God wants you to have a real nice life, easy life, and he doesn't want you to struggle, and he wants you to have the car you want, the house you want. If that's true, and you believe that, why don't you go to Bangladesh, India, and tell those million people laying in the streets that's dying and starving, all you got to do is be positive and really believe that you'll have a new Cadillac next week and you'll have one. That's foolish. Or go to China. Those people are living on a dirt floor, treading rice paddies all day long for 16 hours a day, and tell them you can have what you want if you believe it. When he said uh, hey, we would have abundance of life, he's talking about spiritual life. So Satan is transformed to an angel of light. That's what's going on at the end of time. I believe we're at the very end of all things. And what was happening in Noah's day is happening today. People try to come up and say, the sons of God were fallen angels. That is one of the dumbest, stupidest doctrines I've ever heard. What the world is teaching is a twisted word of God perverted that's what all the preachers I listen to preachers riding down the road the only one that comes on that I really like to listen to is me because I can learn listening to me I'm saying that's good that I said that I listen I'll turn on the radio 1360 nearly any day that I'm leaving the house because I'm on some time during that day now People try to say that, let's go over to Genesis, the sixth chapter. I've got to straighten a lot of this out. This is one of my favorite messages to preach on, the sons of God, marrying the daughters of men. Genesis 6. This is why Noah was told to build an ark. Because what was going on in the days of Noah? the Bible said, will be going on in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. They'll be eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. To give in marriage means to marry two things that don't belong together. And what's marrying is truth and a lie. Now here in the sixth chapter, 
6th chapter. In verse 1, it came to pass when men began to multiply, we're coming out of Noah. Noah had three sons in verse 32 of the previous chapter, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And they began to multiply upon the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. And the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they had chose. Now, people, because of the next couple of verses, they try to come up and say, these were fallen angels. Fallen angels do not intermarry with women. There's a specific place that this comes from. This is a lie that has been preached by preachers all over America. And the Lord said, uh, Sons of God saw they were fair, and they took them wives which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit, my truth will always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, and yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. The word giant does not necessarily mean a tall man. Goliath was not called a giant in the Bible. He was called the champion of the Philistines. He was the Phil- He was a tall man, about nine foot six inches. He was a clumsy, awkward giant. The taller a man is, the less he is, can move around adeptly and be uh, agile. He just lumbering. When David went out against Goliath, David was a honed killer. What do you mean? I thought, why wasn't he in Saul's army? He wasn't old enough to be in the army. He was a teenager. Those shepherds were, they were deadly with a sling. When he went out and saw this giant going clomp, 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 all the men in Saul's army thought, well, I'm going to have to take a sword and fight him with a sword, and he's too big to fight with a sword. That's right. The Bible says in the book of Judges that these men that use slings, they could hit a hair's breadth as far as they could throw it. And David looked at Goliath and said, I can hit him right between the eyes. We know that men 20 years old and upward, according to the book of Numbers, that was military age when God says, I'm going to kill everyone 20 years old and upward that would not go, when we were at Kadesh Barnea, go up in here and wouldn't go up there and attack these men of Anak. And Anak was the same thing as the Gaza Strip in Israel. So they wouldn't go up there and attack them 20 years old and upward. And God says, I'll kill everybody 20 years old and upward in Israel except for Joshua and Caleb. They're the only two that said, we'll go up there and whip these people that were 20 years and old. So David could not have been in the military because he wasn't old enough. It didn't mean he wasn't capable enough. We know he was capable. Because he went out there before Goliath and Saul said, put on my armor. He put it on it, weighed him down. He said, I haven't proven this. Take this off of me. 
I've got this club. I killed a bear. Now, this is the same kid that's going to go against Goliath. He said, this club right here, the club was a a tree, a, just a tree stump. They dug it out of the ground. They cut the ball uh, on the end of the root of the tree and so they could have one where it fit their hand, their handle. And they put hobnails in the club. He said, I killed a bear with this club. Well, he couldn't have been a pansy He's going to go against Goliath if he killed a bear with the club. And he said, I killed a lion with it, probably a cougar or something like a puma. But he said, I killed it with this. Let me go against him with what I proved. And he went out there and he hit. He said, I can hit him right between the eyes. He's not going to get close to me. And he didn't. So... God is fighting our battles for us. Now, I need to get back to my the subject I was in. So we're talking about at the end of time, look here, giants. We're talking about giants. Giant is not the word tall man. It's the word Nephilim, N-E-P-H-I-Y-L-I-M. Nephilim. H-I-L-I-Y-M. Anytime you find I-Y-M on the end of a Hebrew word, it's plural. Nephil is singular. So this is talking about there were giants in the earth in those days. It doesn't mean a tall man. This word Nephilim means a bully or tyrant. It can be a tall man. But it can be Napoleon who was five foot six, five foot seven. Five foot seven. He was somewhere in that range and he was a bully. So when the sons of God married the daughters of men, let's read what it's talking about. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Uh Man for that he is flesh, with man is his flesh, and his, his days will be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days. Also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, they bare children unto them. The same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. The word renown is the word shem. Shem, remember, Shem was God's ruler of the earth. That was the second born of Noah. They, it means authority. And it has, it's the very same word as name. They became men of great name and authority. Now, most people want to say the sons of God marrying the daughters of men were fallen angels intermarrying with women. That is Ignorance. That means you know nothing about the whole Bible. And this, for this very reason, God saw in the wickedness of man was great in the earth because the sons of God were marrying the daughters of men. And that every imagination of the thoughts of the heart will only evil continue because the sons of God married the daughters of men. You angels do not intermarry with women. Fallen angels are not living upon the earth. They're not living there. 
Let me give you that. Go over to Second Peter. Second Peter, the second chapter. How could fallen angels intermarried with women? And how could they produce something sexually? Who in the world ever said that God gave uh, gave angels genitalia and a reproductive system that could co- could copulate with women? Whoever said that? Whoever came up? Why would God even do that in anticipation of multiplying devils? Now this has to go with, and Second Peter is going to go with God casting. Goodness, I have to be go real slow on this because this might confuse you. Second Peter two. This has to be connected with Revelation twelve. The reason. Revelation 12 speaks of Michael the archangel casting the devil or Satan and a third of the angels in heaven casting them out of heaven. What happened to Satan and that being cast out and what happened to the fallen angels? The fallen angels you're going to find in second, they can't be intermarrying women because of what's going on in Second Peter, the second chapter. They can't be intermarrying with women. All right. Let's read this here in Second Peter. One Second uh, Peter 2 and 4. If God spared not the angels that sinned in heaven, but cast them out down to hell, this is the only time the word hell is translated from the word Tartarus. That's the word hell in this verse, and that's the only place it's mentioned. Usually hell is the word Hades or Gehenna in the Old Testament or Sheol in the Old Testament. These are other words for it, but this is the only time this word's mentioned. When you look it up, it'll tell you the lowest part of hell. But look where they are. Read the rest of the verse. Where are they now? They're not running around the world marrying women. They were delivered. They were cast down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Reserved is the word tereo. That's the same word that Jesus would use when he would say, if you love me, keep my commandments. It doesn't mean to do all of them. It means to guard them 
against loss. That's a common word used all through the New Testament. It means to guard. They have been put into hell. They're guarded and they're kept there till the judgment day. That's where the fallen angels are. They are not wandering around the earth intermarrying with women. And I want to know who in the world ever said that they had a genital that can copulate with women. That's stupid. You don't even find deer out here in the woods jumping over a fence to copulate with a cow. Something unnatural. Besides that, how could they have sperm in them when that's human? And that this goes back to just idiocy. That's what this sons of God marrying daughters of men. What does it mean? Let me tell you what it means. It'll tell you right here in Matthew 24. I've preached on this a bunch of times. You're going to have to do something else with your doctrine. All right. Matthew 24 talks about the end of time. I've used this chapter many times over and over again. Somebody tell me, write me, saying, you should use the strong concordance. Where do you think I got these words? Matthew 24 is talking about the end of time. And it's talking about when the end comes, it'll be the same way as it was in the days of Noah. It'll be the been put this way. Matthew 24 is referring back to Genesis 6. When he says, oops, wait a minute, I'm not far enough. Says here in verse verse thirty-two. Now learn a parable of the fig tree, when its branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves. You know that summer is nigh. Israel was referred to as a fig tree. When Israel begins to blossom, they begin to blossom in nineteen forty-eight, May fourteenth, when they became a nation for the first time in twenty-six hundred years, when they were carried away into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar. They became a nation, May fourteenth, nineteen forty-eight. So likewise, ye, when you shall see these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. God says, I'll give you signs when Israel begins to blossom, the end is near. As well as the apostasy will be here, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. I believe it's the generation we're living in. And then he says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But as of the... As of the day and the hour knoweth no man. Now, he just got through telling you in verse 33. When you see these things, know it's near even at the door. But when he says of that day and hour, that means the exact time nobody knows. Know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But I'll give you signs, he said. The apostasy is one of the biggest signs in the Bible. Marrying truth to a lie. But as the, the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, how was it in the days of Noah? For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, 
and giving in marriage. That means whatever was happening in Noah's day, now if it was giants, real tall men, that has to be happening at the end of time. If we are at the end, and I believe we're close to the end of all things, whatever happened in Genesis 6 has to be going on now if we're close to the end. So if it was giants, if it was giants intermarrying with women, then it has to be giants intermarrying. What if I said bullies? Bullies intermarrying with Christian women. Like I said, the tallest men in the world is the NBA, the National Basketball Association, the NFL, the National Football League, and the Watusis. Watusis in Africa, they're all really tall men. So, if this is fallen angels intermarrying with women and leading them astray, then I, like I've said before, that would be like Shaquille O'Neal, who is seven foot one, running away with my wife Mary, so that he can have giants. That's not where that came from. Let me tell you where it came from. I've got a paper here, and I've got a book called Legends of the Jews by Ginsburg. This was a fairy tale, and all these preachers, including John MacArthur, preaches the sons of God, marrying the daughters of men. First of all, we don't believe in d- demons. Demon, daemonion, means to distribute fortunes. We believe a demon is a man's self. Jesus said it was in Mark, the first chapter. Jesus rebuked him, A-U-T-O, self. He rebuked self, rebuked the man. He was said to have an unclean demon in Luke 4, same man. This is where this comes from. It's a five-volume set by Ginsburg. It's called Legends of the Jews, and I made a copy out of my set at home. This is where the sons of God being angels comes from. It's ridiculous. It's got the fall of angels in this section. The depravity of mankind, which began to show itself in the time of Enosh, had increased monstrously in the time of his grandson Jared by reason of the fallen angels. Now, this is this is mythology of the Jews. They constructed it themselves. When the angels saw the beautiful, attractive daughters of men, they lusted after them and spoke, We will choose wives for ourselves only from among the daughters of men and beget children with them. Their chief angel, Shemhazi. Now, where in the world is that in the Bible? It's H-E-M. H-A-Z-A-I. Shem is is the word name or is the word is the word uh, authority. authority. Yeah. Their chief Shemhazi said, I fear ye me will not put this plan of yours in, exe- in execution and I alone shall have to suffer the consequences of great sin. Then they answered him and said, we will swear an oath and we will bind ourselves separately together not to abandon the plan, but to carry it through to the end. 
200 angels. Now, where is that in the Bible? 200 angels descended to the mount, to the summit of Mount Hermon, which owes its name to this occurrence because they found themselves there to fulfill their purpose on the penalty of harem anathema. And where's all this in the Bible? It's their opinions. Under the leadership of 20 captains, they defiled themselves with the daughters of men. It's ridiculous. Unto whom they taught charms, conjuring up formulas, how to cut roots. That's their science back then. And the efficacy of plants. The issue from these mixed marriages was a race of giants, 3,000 elves tall. This is what this is what Ginsburg's Legend of the Jews says they were. Three thousand L's tall. Three thousand. This is how tall these giants were. L's tall. Now I went into Webster's dictionary to look up what an L was and it'll tell you exactly. In Webster's Dictionary, an L was 45 inches. 45 inches. <laughs> That's going to be pretty tall men, isn't it? Multiply 45 times 3,000, you get 13,000, excuse me, 135,000 inches. This is how tall the giants were, according to Ginsburg. 135,000. 135,000. You divide 12 into that, which is the length of a foot, and here's how tall these giants were. They were 11,250 feet tall. (laughs) That's a joke, isn't it? That's how stupid this sons of God marrying daughters of men is. The issue from this mixed, ra- mixed marriages was a race of giants, 3,000 L's tall. So they were about two-thirds the height of Pike's Peak. I know Pike's Peak is somewhere in the neighborhood of 18,000 feet high, 18 to 19, best I remember. So, how in the world are these giants going to have an intimacy with women so they can have other giants? What are they going to do? Feed them down here in Titan Stadium? Say, dare, 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 dare. I've got soup ready in Titan Stadium, and it's covering all of Titan Stadium, so it's time for supper. You say, Jim, you're making fun. It's idiocy. This is where it comes from. But it's more serious than some big tall men intermarrying with Christian women. I'll tell you what the sons of God marrying the daughters of men is. I've got... But the fallen angels continue to corrupt mankind. Azazel, which is a title for Satan, taught men how to make slaughtering knives, arms, shields, and coats of mail. Why didn't he teach them how to make missiles. 
because there was no such thing back then. This is the best they could do with their fairy tales by Ginsburg. It's really crazy where this comes from. Angels do not marry. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Look at Matthew 22. Matthew 22. I love this message because it shows how stupid men have perverted the Word of God. I heard John MacArthur preach on this, claiming that the fallen angels, they're in hell. They're in Tartarus, locked, reserved for the day of judgment. Look here in Matthew 22. You believe that, you've got to believe something that's twisted and perverted. In fact, if you don't want to hear this, then you're twisted and perverted. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. This is talking about Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees. Confronted by them, not the Pharisees, excuse me, the Sadducees. The Sadducees do not believe in a physical resurrection. That's why when Jesus walked in the midst of some Sadducees and Pharisees who believed in a physical resurrection, he would immediately start talking about the resurrection and then they'd start arguing with each other and he'd walk away. He'd just get them into a fight with each other. And here in verse 23, speaking of the Sadducees, the same came to him, the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection and ask him. Now it was, it was Jewish culture when a man is married and he dies among the Jews. It was their culture for his surviving brother right under him to take his wife and raise up his first son to be the son of his dead brother. That's exactly what happened in Genesis the fifth chapter where you see the righteous lineage of God. God had a son, had a son and called his name Adam. Adam had a son, called his name Seth. Seth had a son, called his name Enosh. And this righteous lineage, Enosh had a son and called his name Canaan. Canaan had a son, called his name Hallelujah. Mahalalel had a son called his name Jared, and Jared's son was Enoch. Enoch's son was Methuselah. Methuselah's son was Lamech. Lamech's son was Noah, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the promise goes to Shem, meaning authority. That was, that was the sons of God. And then the daughters of men were the sisters of the sons of men. You start with Cain's lineage. He does not go back to God. Cain has sons in Genesis, the fourth chapter. This is the sons of men. To be a son of someone, you had to do the will of your father. Let me give you a verse that will show you this is... I'll give, go ahead and give this to you. Hold your place there. Hold your place. And go to Romans. Romans. 
the 8th chapter, verse 14. This will tell you who sons of God are. How in the world could fallen angels, when they're not doing the will of God, be a son of God? They couldn't. Now, Romans 8, 14 will define what a son is. Tells you exactly what a son is. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, which is the truth, they are the sons of God. Fallen angels weren't led by the Spirit of God. They were following Satan in heaven. And they were the ones that were cast into hell to be reserved for judgment. So, let's go back over here to Matthew. And Jesus will tell you that angels do not marry and are not given in marriage. Angels neuter gender? I'd have to look that up. I'm sure there is not, you know, excuse me, angels are always masculine gender because God's preachers are always masculine. I've looked that up before. He said, If a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Well, that was a Jewish law in Deuteronomy 25. We'll read that real quick. Deuteronomy 25. That's what happened with when this very thing happened with with uh, when Abel died. When when Cain killed Abel, then Adam knew his wife Eve in chapter four, verse 25, and she conceived to bear a son and called his name Seth in the place of Abel whom Cain slew. So when you've got Seth in that lineage of Genesis, the fourth chapter, that is Abel's lineage, according to this verse, 25 and and 5. Deuteronomy 25 and verse 5. If brethren dwell together and one of them die and have no child, the wife of the dead shall not marry without outside of Israel unto a stranger. Her husband's brother, Seth, was going to be the brother of Abel, shall go in unto her and take her to wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother, and it shall be that the firstborn... Seth, from Adam. Cain wasn't even considered firstborn. He was conceived out of wedlock. He was a bastard son. The firstborn which she beareth shall succeed in the name of his brother which is dead. Now, let's get back to what Jesus is saying here. In Genesis, I mean in Matthew 24... Verse 24, saying, excuse me, 22, verse 24. Master, Moses said, if a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brethren. Now there was were with us seven brethren. The first when he married, this is Sadducees who don't believe in a resurrection. Asking Jesus this. When he married a wife, deceased and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third unto the seventh, and the last of all, the woman died. 
Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven that she was married to? For they all had her sexually. And Jesus answered and said unto them, You do err not knowing the Scriptures. That's what's wrong with the preachers. They don't know the Scriptures. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Angels do not marry and are not given in marriage. So we're talking about the sons of God, the descendants of Seth. To be called a son of man means to be a son of someone is to do the will of that person. Son of. The word bar in the Greek is the word son of. It's the word son of. In Matthew, the 16th chapter, when Jesus looked at the the apostles and said, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they hesitated a bit. And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father which is in heaven... Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. He didn't mean Peter's father's name was Jonah. He meant you've got the same office as Jonah had in the Old Testament. Jonah was told to go to Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrians, and preach resurrection. In fact, he was resurrected and he had to go preach repentance. Repent. He said, you are the son of Jonah because when you get to Acts 2, Jonah was resurrected from the belly of the fish after three days and three nights. That's another story. Three days and three nights. He was, Jonah was resurrected and he preached at repentance and God says, if they do not repent, I'll kill all of them. And they did repent, at least temporarily. And Jonah got mad at God because he didn't kill everybody. But they repented. Later on, they attacked Israel. So, Jonah, Peter was preaching in Acts 2 he repreached repentance. They said, men and brethren, after Peter preached to them, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent. That's what God told Jonah. Peter was the, he was the son of Jonah spiritually. Because he preached repentance. And Peter said there at Pentecost, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart. And he said, repent. And he had preached the resurrection of Christ right before that. He said, David is in his grave to this day. But thou will not suffer thine holy one Christ to see corruption. He resurrected the third day. So Jonah preached. He was resurrected and went and preached repentance. And Peter 
the son of Jonah, the spiritual son of Jonah, preach repentance and resurrection at at Acts 2. Now, so he says, there'll be as the angels which neither marry nor are given in marriage. Now, I want to give you all that I can on this so you'll understand. What this was, this was sons of God, descendants, this was descendants of of God through Adam, through Shem, all the way down to Shem here, and his lineage goes all the way down to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and his twelve sons became the nation. So that was the blessed sons of God lineage, Genesis, the fifth chapter. The sons of men were the descendants of Cain in the fourth chapter. So the sons of God marrying the daughters of men was truth marrying a lie. Cain does not trace back to God. It doesn't have in Genesis 4 him going back to God. He was conceived. I don't have time to go in it, but he was conceived when Adam looked at Eve and they were both naked and they took one another. I said this before. You don't have to convince a man to lust after a woman. He does that naturally. And when he saw Eve, he took her. And that's where Cain was conceived. He was the son of Adam or the son of man. Anytime you see the sons of men in the Old Testament, that is Gentiles. That's Gentiles. The people that did not receive the promise of God. Gentiles. That's really amazing because God told Abraham. He said, I'm going to give you this land and I'm going to get, I'll show you something that's just a real neat thing. I'll give you the land and everyone that's in your household. Adam, excuse me, Abraham was a Gentile when he was called by God. Romans, Romans tells us that in Romans, the second chapter. Was Abraham a Gentile when he was uncircumcised? Yes, he was. He was the father of the Jews, but he was a Gentile uncircumcised. And when you see Abraham is given the promise in Genesis 17. Let me show you this because this is very interesting. I have never brought this out. I brought it out real quick and thrown it at you, and I'm sure it went over everybody's head. But let me just show it to you. It's very interesting. Genesis, the 17th chapter. And stop and pay close attention to this because you'll miss it. If you... Genesis 17. All right. So God is making a covenant with Abraham and he tells him the covenant would not only be with you but anyone in your household. He had a servant, Eliezer, that was a Syrian. And he loved Abraham. He had Eliezer, a Syrian. This included Eliezer. 
because of what the Bible says. And any other Gentiles in Abraham's household. And he says to them here, he says, I'm establishing my covenant with you and your seed after you in verse 7, and you're going to get the land. And then down here in verse 9, Abraham, and God said to Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed after thee and their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you, and thy seed after thee. Every man-child among you will be circumcised. I've referred to this a thousand times. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of the foreskin, and it shall be a token, a token, an oath, a signal or a flag of the covenant between me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised. Why eight days old? Doctors will tell you that's the height of clotting factor at eight days. And every man-child in your generation, he that is born in the house, are bought with money of strangers. It can be Gentiles. Those very words. He that is born in the house are bought with money of any stranger which is not of your seed can be in this covenant. That's the Gentiles, isn't it? And that was hidden all through the Old Testament. And he that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money, that would be Gentiles, must needs be circumcised in my covenant, shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. He said anyone that's bought with money brought into your house. And that would include Eliezer, his seer and servant. And look over here in Ephesians real quick, like Ephesians. Ephesians, and I couldn't figure this out for the longest time. I saw this years ago, and I've just never pinpointed it and brought it out specifically and said, here's what God said to Abraham in the 17th chapter of Genesis. What he did, he blinded the Gentiles and extended this. He tells Abraham it can be anybody in your household that's a Gentile. That's what he's saying. And this will make sense to you when I read it. He's talking in Ephesians, the second chapter, about the Gentiles in verse, in chapter 2, verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in the time past Gentiles. Who's he talking to? An Ephesian Gentile church. In the flesh who are called uncircumcision. That was a title for Gentiles, uncircumcision, because to be a Jew you had to you were called the circumcision. By that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. But now we're circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth politia. We get the word politic from that. P-O-L-E-T-E-I-A. People will say, we're not spiritual Israel. That's stupid. You preachers that preach that. Politia means citizenship. That's what politic means, citizens. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel 
and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. That's the way the Gentiles were for 4,000 years. But now in Christ Jesus, ye are you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by a blood baptism of Christ. And then he says over here in chapter 3, this is the part I want you to see. How much time do I have, Mike? Let's read some of this third chapter. For this cause. For what cause? For the previous chapter, when he's talking about he's going to make Jew and Gentile one new man in verse 15 and be of one body in verse 16. That's chapter 2. And be one. Through him we both have access to one spirit, one truth. And then he goes on down here. And... We're built upon the foundation of the apostles in verse 20 of chapter 2. And the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And then he goes on down here. And for this cause, because we are part of the politia, the citizenship of Israel, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, talking to a Gentile church, telling them they're spiritual Jews or spiritual Israel, if you heard of the dispensation of the grace of God. Dispensation does not mean period of time. Is the word oikonomia. O-I-K-O-N-O-M-I-A. If you look up the word economy in Webster's Dictionary, it'll tell you it comes from the Greek word oikonomia. If you say oikonomia fast, it sounds like economy, doesn't it? Oikos. And it means O-I-K-O-S. This is the word dispensation. And it's also the word. It's also the word. It's dispensation. It comes from oikos and nomos. It's the word economy. Oikos means house or family. And namos means law. It's also the word stewardship. Dispensation doesn't mean a period of time where these guys say, well, Adam lived in the dispensation of innocence and Noah in the dispensation of conscience. Noah was saved by grace through faith. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. By faith, Noah being one of God of things, not seen as yet moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house. Saved by grace through faith, Noah was saved the same way we are. So dispensation and stewardship are the same word. It means one who lives in a house of God and dispenses the law of God's house, and that's us, Christ is the son of his own house. Whose house are we? We're the house of God. We dispense. Dispensation. What is that in English? When you go up to a Coke machine. I used to go up to a Coke machine in 1951, put a nickel in, and I got a Coke. Now you have to put a dollar in, and you get a Coke. And it dispenses a Coke to you. That's what dispensation means. It means to dispense from the house of God, and that's us. Then he goes on to say, You've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me, so it will come to you, Ephesian Gentile church, 
how that by revelation he has made known unto me the mystery. Mystery, mysterion, means the unrevealed facts. It comes from muo, meaning to shut the mouth. We get the word mute from that. And God reveals him. Revealed is the exact opposite of mystery. Apocalypto means to take off the cover. Apocalypto. That's the word revealed. We get the word revelation. Apocalypsis from that. It means the removal of the cover. And he reveals himself to whomsoever he will. That's predestination. I'm trying to show you this thing that happened with Abraham. Look here. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages before you, Ephesian Gentile church, was not made known unto the sons of men. It's been hidden from Abraham and he only came to the Jewish people, but it was given to Abraham in Genesis 17 when God says, everyone in your household. Now, I'm going to keep the Gentiles blind until we get to Acts 2 where God's going to pour out of his spirit on all flesh, all men. And all flesh and all men would be red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. Red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. It doesn't mean every individual. The word synecdoche means a part is the whole. Synecdoche. If one black man, one red man, one yellow man, one white man, one brown man is saved, all men would be saved. Now, then he said, which was not made known unto the sons of man. To be a son of, you have to be doing the will of your father. Sons of men was a term for Gentiles. Only the Jews got the word of God through the Old Testament. That's all. As it is now revealed. Boy, isn't that great? Revealed. Apocalypto. Let me erase some of this. It's now revealed. And it tells you what this mystery of God is. Mystery is all men are blind unless God opens the eyes of certain men. And that's his predestinated elect family. Among the Gentiles, and he's talking of Gentile is everybody that's not a Jew. But God gave that promise to the Gentiles in the 17th chapter. But it was hidden. He gave it to Abraham in Genesis 17 and says, Everyone in your household, even people that are bought and they're, they're Gentiles, they come to your household, and then I, what I've done, I've hidden that until Paul comes, Acts 2, and Paul is sent to the Ephesians, the Galatians, the Philippians, the Colossians, the Corinthians, and these are all Gentile churches. And he was sent to call them to the light. And that was a mystery that was hidden through the ages. Do you all see that? 
It was a mystery, but it's no longer a mystery. Not with Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. First and second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. The first and second Timothy, first and second uh, Titus, first and second Thessalonians. All these were Gentile churches. So, the the bad thing about it all, uh, i got to give you the mystery. Verse 6 tells you the mystery. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same one body, the church, the called out and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. That should be in flashing red lights. This is the mystery that was hidden all through the ages, and now they're part of it. And he says the same thing in Colossians. In Colossians he says, you're circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. And that in Colossians 2 and he says in in verse 11 in whom also you're circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ which is a spiritual circumcision buried with him in not water baptism blood baptism wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God and then he says, blotting out all those rituals of the Old Testament. Now, huh? It's cut it. Yeah, that's right. That was a ritual. And God had them circumcised for reasons. Some say that you have uh, less chance of penile cancer every man that's circumcised. I don't know. I've, I've talked to doctors. I've talked to nurses and said, why? And they'll tell me what they believe about it now. So what is happening in Genesis 2, excuse me, Genesis 6, has to be happening at the end of time. Genesis 6. What was happening... How was it that, let me show you something in the Bible. It's hard to get a hold of unless you read all the details. How did the sons of God corrupt the daughters of men? Let me show you. You had you had Genesis 5. Five, God's lineage, the sons of God. Those are those that do the will of the Father. Jesus told the Pharisees in Luke 8, He says, the works of your Father you will do. That's very significant. Works, remember I said, bar means son of, that means you've inherited your father's office. And that Ben in the Hebrew means son of. When you had Ben Hadad, that means the son of Hadad. And he was the king of Syria. 
And the son did the same thing his father did. He came down and attacked Israel. The works of his father. And Jesus said in John the 8th chapter, The works of your father you will do. That means the Pharisees, the Pharisees he was talking to were sons of Satan. And he said, the works of your father you will do. In fact, look at that real quick over here. Look at John 8. That sons of God marrying the daughters of men, making it angels intermarrying women. That's not only dumb, but it's so simple and it you, doesn't make any sense. And there's people that write to me, you don't know what the sons of God are. No, you don't know. Look here. In John 8, Jesus tells these guys, all right, he's confronting them. And he says to them, John 8, in verse 44, talking to the Pharisees, you are of your father the devil. That means they're sons of Satan. And when he says, the works of your father you will do, that was a saying among the Jews. If your father was a baker, you would call a man Bar Baker. Son of the baker. We get we have the word Thompson. It means the son of Thomas. Johnson. It means the son of John. And usually if your father's a doctor, you'll be a doctor. Your father's a dentist. I know dentists in this town. Their fathers were dentists. Takes a lot of money to go to dental school. Takes a lot of money to go to medical school. So you better you need a father you need a father that's rich in order to do that. So so he tells the Pharisees, the works of your father, you're the ergon. Boy, there's that word again. The labor of your father you will do because you are sons of Satan. That's what he's saying here. He was a murderer from the beginning, and so are you. You kill people with your mind. He said, you garnished the, the tombs of the prophet, the sepulchres of the prophets. You're the one that killed them. And then he says, because there is no truth in him, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. And that's you, Pharisees. For he is a liar and the father of it. He just said he's your father. So he's calling them liars, isn't he? People get mad at me for calling Billy Graham a liar, Kenneth Copeland a liar. They preach false doctrine. Billy Graham preached to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Let Jesus come into your heart. And the Bible don't teach that. It teaches repentance. Believe. 
My father preached the same thing as he preached. If I'll call down my father, I'll call down Billy Graham. I called down my father before he died. And then he says, Because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you is going to convince me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? I like to ask the preachers that. Why don't you believe me? See, they don't. They hate predestination, even though it's in the Bible. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. If you say that verse to people, boy, they get bad. My sister-in-law used to get mad if I would say that. And then he goes on to say in verse 30, Whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Called, predestined, called, and justified, and glorified, in verse 30, are past tense verbs. He predestined us, called us, and justified us before the foundation of the world. He said he did. God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. Through sanctification, the Spirit believes in the truth. Men have corrupted the Word of God by mixing their free will with a lie. That's what they were doing in the days of... And look at this right here. He that is of God... I like this. Boy, I love this verse in verse 47. This is a predestination verse. He that is of God heareth God's words... Ye therefore hear them not because you're not of God. Get away from me, Pharisees. Go. And then they ask him in just after this in chapter 10. The same Pharisees are talking to him. In verse 24, Then there came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. He said, I'm told you. You don't belong to me. Get away from me. Well, people, free will people don't like it. You need to try to convince them. They're goats. Jesus said they're goats. You can't turn a goat into a sheep. And then Jesus tells him in verse 25 of John. Jesus said to him, I told you and you didn't believe me. I told you you were not of God. And that's why you can't see and hear the truth. He didn't, wasn't going to give him ten verses of just as I am and another seven or eight of almost persuaded. Say, won't you come and accept me as your personal Savior? All you have to do is tell people the truth. If they're elect, they'll hear. They may not hear today. They may argue with you. They may argue with it to a degree today, but they won't fight it permanently. If they're vessels of mercy with God as they're prepared to glory, they will believe the truth along the way. There's no need trying to convince anybody. I'll tell you what that does to me. It makes me free. I can talk to anybody. I don't have to worry about getting their arm behind their back and say, we'd like to pray this prayer. I hate that. It's not what Paul told the Philippians jailer. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't have anything to do with that, and I don't have anything to do with it. God has to put belief in your heart. And Jesus said, answer them, I told you and you believe not the works that I do in my Father's name. Verse 25 of chapter 10. They bear witness of me, but you believe not because you're not of my sheep, you're goats. Goats don't need a shepherd. Sheep have to have a shepherd. Sheep can't walk across a pasture without a shepherd. 
And as I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. My is a possessive pronoun. I own them before they believed in me. My sheep hear my voice. I'm the shepherd of the sheepfold, and I call my sheep and they hear because they belong to me. They're mine. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me, and I give my sheep eternal life. Notice they're his sheep before he gives them eternal life. And then he says, I, he doesn't say I give goats eternal life and turn them into sheep. They're mine. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I've got to get back over here to Abraham. Let me show you something here. Genesis 5 is the sons of God. That's Cain. One of his descendants, evidently, Cain was told by, was Eve said in Genesis 4.1, I have gotten a man from God. The reason she said that, what she was saying, what she was saying, this thing that's born of me, came from God. She didn't say it came from Adam through sexual intercourse. That's not what she said. She knew nothing about ovulation. She knew nothing about the sperm of the man. She knew nothing about a nine months pregnancy. Nothing! How could she know where that boy came from? And God had said to her in chapter 3, I will multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. That word conception, heron, means pregnancy. She was already pregnant. She was already pregnant because when Adam saw Eve, he took her. That was before their marriage vows. So Cain had to have been a bastard's son. That's why he was left out of the lineage, and he was only a son of man. He was a son of Adam's desire for Eve when he saw her naked. This, I'm not trying to be graphic, I'm just trying to tell you the way it is. He was a son of man. Adam means man. And then you go down here, and... Genesis 5 takes you down to Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham had a son named Cush. Cush had a son named Nimrod. Nimrod. Nimrod started Babel and Asher. It was Nimrod who started the Babylonian system. Where did he come up with the idea? Where could he possibly have come up with the idea that all of those sun gods were virgin born? Because they said that about Hercules and Adonis and Attis and Achilles. Where did he come up with that? He evidently had married one of the descendants 
of Cain, one of Cain's daughters, took that into the ark, brought it out of the ark, and started the Babylonian system, the mother of harlots, Revelation 17 and 5. And she was founded on, let us make us a name. Let us make, Genesis 11 and 4, make us a name. A Shem. We don't like Shem telling us what to do. This other son of Adam, Shem. So he begins this system of Babylon. It had to have come out of Ham. It had to have come out of Eve saying, I got a man from the Lord. I believe she was saying, not even knowing what she was contributing to the history of the church, she was saying, God said, I will multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and here he is. Came from God. Therefore, she probably spun that down to her descendants. And one of, one of Cain's female descendants down the road sees Ham. She takes, he marries her, brings her into the ark, and she spins this tale to him about the virgin son and about wanting their own name, wanting their own ruler. And I believe that's where it come from. Had to come from somewhere. Ham is the only place it could have come from. I'm about to run out of time. I've got so many other things to say about this. I'm gonna next week I'm gonna go into some of the things that they said. And anything else I can give you on on the uh sons of God and the daughters of men. In Genesis one six, this is where the people say, Well, this was fallen angels, when the Bible says that Satan went before God with the sons of men when he went before the with the sons of God as they went before the Lord. Being sons of God, they couldn't have been fallen angels. Do I have any time? Just look at Job, the first chapter. Job. And these people try to say, well, the sons of God that went before God, they went before God probably in prayer. First chapter. It doesn't say anything about these being fallen angels. Verse 6. Now there wasn't a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among these sons of God, but not fallen angels. If they're sons of God, they're doing the will of the Father, they're praying to Him. That's like Satan in your life when you're praying to God. He's there trying to thwart you from your purpose. I hope you can see. I've got to go back into... The sons of God marrying the daughters of men at the end of time will be the twisting of the word of God. Twisting of the word. And that's exactly what the charismatics, the Baptist, Billy Graham, my father, my brother, which is not my real brother. My real brother is those who do the will of the Father. They preached false doctrine. I, I can't handle false doctrine. I hate it with all my my heart and soul. I just hate false doctrine. 
and accept Christ in tongues is a lie and faith healing is a lie. And those of you have followed it for all these years, you're following the lies and calling things that be not uh, saying Cadillac, come on Cadillac. I, that's a lie. I, I hate the Pentecostal movement. I didn't say I hate Pentecostals. I hate the Pentecostalism, not Pentecost. Pentecostalism has got tongues, faith healing, slain in the spirit. The spirit quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. Quicken means to make alive. It doesn't kill people. How can people read those verses and ignore it? That's the sons of God making the daughters of men. At the end of time, it's here. Huh? It is called halakal. Thank you, Mary. That's called the halakal. It's what the Pharisees did with the Word of God. I need to bring this out in this series, the halakal. Same thing the Pharisees were doing. They did it. They're they're continuing, and it's all it's lies. Everything's going on in the churches. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for truth. Above everything, thank you for the truth. Thank you for being able to see it and expound upon it. I pray that you'll touch the hearts of these people that are trying to argue against your word. Lord, if they belong to you, you will. They'll be willing to to eat crow, say, I've been wrong about this. Without the Bible being what it is, then we won't have to worry about all this apostasy at the end of time. Thank you for your word and for truth. We'll praise you for everything that you do in our lives, good and evil, because it's all for our good. In Christ's name, amen. Father Battles.